Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast, of course, with me, Marvellous Mark Ashworth, and with Das Acton Kid, Brian Bradshaw. It's pissing it down with rain in sunny old Darwin today, so it's a perfect evening for a podcast recording. How's you, Brian? How's things going on your side? I'm sodding fucking cold, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> we're, we're, we're venturing into... Uh, but just to put it, just to put it into uh, anybody that's a Game of Thrones fan, uh, winter is coming, and we're from the north, so it's very apt. Yes, I am the king of the north. <laughs> that's a good impression, actually. I can do a, I can do a better one. Actually, I, I, I was pretty good at Jon Snow impressions. Maybe that'll, that'll reoccur at some point, but I've not done one for a long time. Um, yeah, this is, this is the perfect evening. And if you guys are listening out there as well, why don't you? Put on your slippers, put on your pyjamas, light the fire, and just sit down for a couple of hours of sexy, voiced nitrogen podcast from me and Brian over there. We've got a couple of um, really decent episodes coming up, as well as a, a lot of news as well from this time in WCW. And we'll not stand on ceremony whatsoever, we'll jump straight into Nitro number 31. Going down on April 22nd, 1996 in Albany, in Georgia. It's presented by Steve Mongo McMichael uh, with Pepe, Bobby the Brain Heenan and Eric Bischoff. And there's not much to start off with other than the commentators putting over that the police are here and heavily guarding Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, Bischoff goes through the raw results as well. And uh, during this, you can actually hear Bobby Heenan groaning in the background as Bischoff does this little tactic of his. I don't know if you noticed that, Brian. I hate to miss that. I just remember uh, Bobby Heenan saying that there's there's so much police backstage, uh, you'd think President Clinton is here. Yes, and that just shows, that just goes to show how far back in, in in time we're going. Although it's making me feel really old now, yeah, really, stuff like that. It really puts a timestamp. If not the fact that we're actually watching Nitro from nineteen ninety six, if that didn't do it, that definitely does. Yeah. So the first match in this one is going to be the American Males, who are Marcus Alexander Bagwell and Scotty Riggs versus the Public Enemy, Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock. Uh, I thought this was a pretty basic tag team match, to be honest. The commentators discussed Slamboree and the tournament to crown the Lord of the Ring. Oh, Jesus Christ. I was so fucking confused listening to the commentary about uh, throughout this. Like, kept mentioning Lord of the Ring, Lord of the Ring, Lord of the Ring. What, is fucking Tokyo booking the show? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I kind of it, it kind of pricked my ears up a little bit every time I heard Lord of the Ring like, and I was I started thinking obviously Lord of the Rings was was a book first off, weren't it before it became a movie franchise, which I've never seen. No, can't lie, I've never Not. I've never actually seen the movies, but I do have an interesting story about Lord of the Rings. Uh, I used to work in a bookstore and. Uh, we used to take like donations and because uh, it were a charity book store, a book store, I should say. But we used to take donations from customers, and we did come across a, a first edition uh, version of Journey to the Center of the Universe or Journey to the Center of the World. Sorry, can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. Um, we we couldn't track down the owner of that, and it ended up going to an auction. In London, we got, I think we got about three grand for it, and it just went back into the charity. But we did come across a first edition of Lord of the Rings, but it was so damaged, there was no value to it. Damn. Could you imagine how much that would have been worth? That would be, yeah. I mean, I probably wouldn't send it to auction, I'd keep it. 
but you'd know the value just yep. straight away, wouldn't you? Out of out of curiosity, was that the Jules Verne one you were going on about? Which one, the journey to the centre of the world or universe? I always forget the name of it. It'd be Earth. Uh, Earth. Yeah, yeah, if it's the one I, I'm thinking of. <laughs> I'm not very book smart, obviously. Why did they get a job in a bookshop? Uh, yeah, it would have been... Jo- <laughs> The yeah, irony! Uh, <laughs> but yes, uh, it would have been that, yeah. Jules Verne, uh, quick Google search says that, so... I only know that because it was re- referencing Back to the Future. So there you go. The commentary do carry on and give a get well. Primarily, Eric Bischoff giving a get well to Brian Pillman, who had been in a, a severe car accident, as we detailed on the last episode of the Nitrogen podcast. Or actually, it would have been the episode before as the last one was our watch along for Halloween Havoc 1993, which if you've not listened to, you definitely should. It's quite long, and you should watch it along with us, but boy, there's a quite a lot of talking points, and there's quite a lot of shit shot by me and Brian during that. We covered all kinds of topics. <laughs> Let's just say there were times where we just got a little bit bored. I got a little... Quite true, quite true. And uh, also, just as a side note, we did notice that uh, Eric Bischoff and Conrad Thompson did do an 83 Weeks of Halloween Havoc 1993. However, we recorded ours first, so stop listening to our ideas. Hey, they might actually be listening to the podcast. Don't discourage that. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't. They just stop, stop stealing our ideas. They you know, took our jobs. Yeah, maybe eventually we'll get on to ad-free shows. Who knows? Maybe. Uh, there's much more athleticism from the American males in this one other than a middle rope springboard moonsault from Rocco Rock to Marcus Bagwell. I keep wanting to call him Buff Bagwell, but he's not bad at this moment in time. Um, there's also a senton attempt that completely misses him. A hot tie to Riggs allows for a couple more drop salts, as Brian rightly called them a few weeks ago, but public enemies soon get the advantage and Riggs goes over the top rope. Now, what I'll... Well, I'll ask you for your ratings if you if you don't mind with the uh, the old drop salts there. Oh yeah, I mean at this point I'm just I'm just repeating myself because they're just like they're, like they usually have a solid seven, a solid eight, a solid nine. You know, it's it's the same people doing the same thing. It's yeah, kind of hard to differentiate between the few. Like I, I suppose like my ratings also depend on my, on the mood, uh, my investments on the match. And uh, I wasn't particularly invested in this match. No. I mean, fucking hell, public anime, come on, yeah. You can only be so invested in fucking, yeah. It it wasn't so, a great match. So I'd say from I'd say from this point onwards, obviously we know who does the drop kick sting. Scotty Riggs, Marcus Bagwell. Um, we rarely ever see Alex Wright these days. So I'll still ask you about Alex Wright. I was um, I was just about to say Alex Wright, and then before I even said his name, you said his name, and my heart sank. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, the the guys who who are constantly doing them, uh, but we'll just eradicate their ratings from now on because they've had way too many ratings. However, if somebody else does one, I'll uh, I'll bring it up from time to time. We don't need to make it a mandatory part of the podcast anymore. And um, if it is extra special, I will make a note of it. Yeah, and to be fair, on our Twitter feed uh, a few weeks ago, we did we did retweet uh, Lance Storms from around oh, two thousand. I saw that. Yes. <laughs> And I kind, of, I kind of said maybe we should put this contest to bed early, and you were, you said I did not sign off on this. <laughs> no, I, good laugh out of that. Excuse me. No, I did not sign off it, but I, I, I said that with, uh, with gritted teeth. Let's just say, like, <laughs> because you know, 
I don't, I don't want to admit just yet that Lance Storm has the best drop kick I have ever seen, but he's had the best drop kick that I've ever seen. Yeah. He also liked that tweet. So that's another like in the column for the Nitrogen podcast, this time from Lance Storm. Thank you very much, Lance. Back into, uh, back into this Nitro just to finish off this match. As I noted just then, uh, Riggs goes over the top rope after Public Enemy got the advantage, and this is where we're going to have our first controversial moment of the podcast. Uh-huh. As the result will officially go to the American males who win via a disqualification in 7 minutes and 23 seconds. However, confusion lies as the referee called for the bell after Riggs was thrown over the top rope. Public Enemy put Riggs onto a table that they brought to ringside earlier, and as Rocco cockles over and out of the ring with Grunge catching him, they both go crashing through Riggs and the table. Now, it's my presumption here, Brian, that the use of this table has made Nick Patrick change his mind, and that's the reason why Scotty Riggs and Marcus Bagwell have come away with the win here. However, I'd like your opinions on this. Yeah, I I have nothing to say. The bell rang a moment. Uh, Riggs went over the top rope. Yeah, I have. That 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 is my sticking point in this match. Yeah, why you can you can you can hear in the end, um, Dave Penzer calling the American males the winners via disqualification. So for Riggs to go over the top rope and for American males to get the win via disqualification just makes no sense to me whatsoever. Um, because as we've seen previously, if you're thrown over the top rope, you lose. It's not you're thrown over the top rope and you win. So, confusion in WCW. Well, it's not the first time. And even then, they don't particularly enforce that rule. No. They change their mind from match to match. Yeah, it's just... (sighs) So, yeah, hard to get invested in the match as much as we are quite enjoying the American Males at this moment in time. And then, a silly finish, just carrying on from from the Halloween Havoc 1993 (laughs) watch-along. Uh... (laughs) Next up, we're going to see Mean Gene at the entranceway with Terry and Emily, who were two ring girls, uh, announcing purrings for the Slambery Lethal Lottery. Now, I don't mind telling you, I fucking hate lethal lotteries with a passion. I've seen so many of them in WCW. It just, it's just so tedious. And TNA really picked up on this with the um, one-night stand pay-per-views that they were doing. They used mm. to have what, what were it called? The wildcard tag team tournament or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Aces Wild tag team, something like that. I can't fucking, I can't remember for the life of me. I've, I've, I've obviously blocked that out of my memory because it was so bad. I mean, in theory, it, it's it, it's a good idea in theory. In practice, it just doesn't work when you've got so many tag teams that are essentially tagging with other people. Yeah, yeah. And it's obviously all rigged. Yeah, of course. You know, it'd be all right if it was genuinely out of a hat and, you know... I don't know, the giant does end up with... Mark, you're exposing the business again. (laughs) (laughs) Kayfabe, kayfabe. Hugh Morris and Meng will face Barbarian and Bobby Walker. Who the fuck is Bobby Walker? I don't know, and he has a nickname as well, but I don't know what it is. Um, Stevie Ray and Bubba, uh, Big Bubba Rogers will face Scott Norton and Ice Train, who are actually a tag team. Mean Gene rips open blank envelopes and puts Macho Man and Ric Flair together in his own head, seemingly, and they'll face Arn Anderson and Eddie Guerrero. Okay, Arn Anderson and Eddie Guerrero. Great tag team. It did tighten my pants a little bit, I can't lie. Um, so I am looking forward to that match. Next up we're going to see 
one of those mentioned people. We're going to see Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit in one of the anticipated matches uh, ever on WCW Nitro. We get an aggressive start from each into a corner, each and a slap each. There's two snap arm drags and a stunning, stunning drop kick from Eddie Guerrero, sending Benoit out of the ring to get a breather. Uh, Eddie goes up to the top rope, almost as if he's going to jump off like he normally does, but Chris Benoit's got the nous to actually go up far enough that Eddie can't reach, although to be fair, I won't put it past Eddie to be able to reach that far. Um, a series of arm bars and re- reversals when he gets back into the ring, and then there's a cheap her grab from Benoit to pull Eddie to the mat, which gets him a lot of cheap heat. Eddie shoves Benoit for that while the referee goes in to split them up and Benoit seizes the opportunity with an eye rake and a big belly-to-back suplex. There's a snapmare and a rear chin chin lock as we go to a break while Heenan is screaming that Macho is doing something. We're back from the break and there's absolutely no mention of Macho doing something. Just as Eddie comes off the ropes and goes for a beautiful head scissors, which Bischoff calls a necktie takeover. I'm not going to lie, that's the first and probably... Second to last time I've ever heard of necktie takeover. Yeah, very weird call. Quite quite descriptive. Very. Yeah, big, bit, bit weird. Yeah. Benoit quickly recovers, chops Eddie down, and again tries a belly-to-back, but Eddie reverses and gets his own off. Bischoff details that Benoit lost to Otani in Japan for the first time since the Cruiserweight tournament had begun. Oh, that's still going on, is it? And finished. So, Otani is the Cruiserweight champion. Having defeated Benoit, who was wrestling as the Wild Pegasus, back in March in a four and a half star Meltzer rated match, which was never shown on WCW TV. Everything Bischoff says about this cruiserweight tournament thereafter is a complete fabrication and is totally nonsensical. Eddie was eliminated from this tournament even though he never lost. Bobby Eaton went through to the finals even though he didn't wrestle anyone in the tournament whilst everyone else did. Dean Malenko lost to JL after being apparently eliminated weeks prior by Brad Armstrong, and rules seem to be changing on a weekly basis. But we will cover that as it progresses. I don't know how you progress a tournament that's already fucking finished, but there you go. WCW 1996. Blank. Also, Dave Meltzer's ratings can go suck a fucking dick after the ratings he gave for Halloween Havoc 1993. Yes, completely fucking agree. Four and three quarter stars, Dave. Uh, stars Dave. They weren't in the fucking Tokyo Dome. Where did you get that rating? No, they were in some fucking shit heap in... I, I, I forgot where it were. Fucking it were Tennessee. in Vegas. Were, were it in Vegas? Oh, my word. I think I think it was in Vegas, yeah. Wow. I can't remember. That's how bad that show was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it definitely wasn't a three and a quarter... Uh, three, uh, a four and three quarter stars. Um, but having said that, he's saying that Wild Pegasus versus Otani in New Japan Pro Wrestling over there in Japan, is a four and a half star match, so there's every possibility that it kind of was pretty decent, given it was in Japan, and you know, Meltzer likes his hentai. Um, <laughs> <Fuck> be- <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a four and a half star! Oh! Don't make it worse, don't make it worse. <laughs> I, honestly, I don't want to see this fucking wrinkly old bloody guy I, I I do have to say, Dave, you are fucking jacked for your age, but you look like a wrinkly old sock, and I don't want to imagine that doing what Mark is describing. Thank you. No, no. Oh, so leave God, that I'm, there. <laughs> I'm grossed out, mate. I'm grossed out. Back to the uh, back to the match here, and there's a beautiful bridging su- uh, German suplex from Benoit, which only gets a two count. 
He continues the onslaught until Benoit gets distracted, arguing with the referee, which allows Eddie to deliver some big right hands. Benoit sold really well for. Uh, Eddie goes up top for an attempt at a head scissors that is really sloppy as he comes down. Uh, <laughs> nearly fucking broke his own neck uh, and attempts a roll through. He manages the pin, but Benoit has a foot on the ropes. There's a bit of a back and forth in terms of whips and reversals into the corners. Eddie attempts a, cor- a corkscrew sunset flip. But Benoit is down and hooks the leg whilst holding the ropes to trap Eddie. And your result in this one is Chris Benoit via pinfall in 7 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, what did you think to that one, Brian? Very decent match. But again, it seems to be the trend with cruiserweight matches. Not enough time. Yes. Yeah. Although 7.5 minutes isn't isn't bad going for, a, for an hour show, which is probably 45 minutes on WCW Nitro. Honestly, um, I, I can't believe it was that long. It felt so much shorter to me. Yeah. I think it does when there's high-paced action. You, you just enjoying yourself so much. Yeah. Uh, but, good good match. Yeah, not to take away from the match. Very good match. Yeah, and hoping that the uh, that the pinfall victory gives Benoit and Eddie uh, a few more matches in this series to generate a feud of some sort. We go back to Mean Gene, again at the entranceway with Rob Garner this time, who is an executive of World Championship Wrestling, apparently. Oh, uh, who I, apparently I, call, ho- I called him a nameless suit because they didn't announce his name until halfway through the fucking interview. Yeah, yeah. Mean Gene kind of does go off on a tangent for the first 50 minutes of this fucking segment. Um, however, Mean Gene does say that Rob Garner hobnobs with Mick Lambros. And Mick Lambros is, a, is, is actually like a Turner executive. But I just love the fact that he said hobnobs. Like, <laughs> I didn't even know hobnobs were a thing in America. <laughs> I think it means something else. It's kind of like a posh term from what I know. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, like See, hob- I-, I mean, you hear hobnobs over here and you think of the biscuit, the very yep. alte porridge biscuit, which are fucking brilliant, by the way. And Peter yeah. K fucking ruined them with that bloody <laughs> segment they did on the stand-up show saying that you could dip them and dip them and dip them and they never break. And ever since then, there's not been one hobnob that I've ever dipped in a cup of coffee or tea that hasn't broke on me. Fuck you, Peter <laughs> K, for that. Uh, that's a tangent for another day, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, but from my understanding, it's like hobnob. And you hear hobnob, and you, you put a bit of a posh voice on that hobnob. It kind of, <laughs> it does sound like something you'll do, you know, hobnobbing around. It's basically just, you know, sucking up to people that are above you. Right. Well, that explains a lot. And I was just thinking that he had a brew and some hobnobs with him. So <laughs> yeah. Just really... It, in the north of UK, that would definitely be that. Yeah, we we really sort of what would you say, Britishized something. <laughs> Hob, hobnobs are like the deity of British biscuits. Oh, they're up there. Yeah, very much so. Uh, yeah, uh, Savage comes out from the back for this, uh, and Garner states that WCW is concerned with Savage's actions and attitude is actually reaching boiling point. He's told to cease, otherwise there'll be ramifications, which Macho says, that's a big word for a suit and tie. Macho says he'll be the tag team partner from hell with Flair, and that Garner should be careful at WCW City Hall, because I'll blow it up, yeah. Yeah, very out of character for a Macho man here. Mm, You're threatening to commit a terrorist act. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Uh, Garner then says that Macho should actually seek professional help because of his anger issues, to which Macho's response is that Garner should see one because he's a little, little, little stupid person, yeah. What the hell is this from Randy Savage? It's so out of control and very erratic. Yeah, I am not enjoying Macho Man here. And I mean, I love the guy, but it's just... 
I get being pushed to the edge, but this is a guy that was already on the fucking edge, as it were, and now he's threatening to blow up a city hall. And ugh. yeah, it, it just doesn't seem like the same guy, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. It's, it, this is not something you'd expect many wrestlers to actually threaten. <laughs> no, it isn't. No. Oh um, God. Obviously, we all know about the madness, and I can only hope. He, this is the direction that they're going in, but this just seems way too early for the madness to come in. You know, there's obviously the macho man Randy Savage who's all like colourful and everything like that, but the madness is all, you know, dark clothes and just crazy personality, and that's when the veins really do start popping out of his head. Um, maybe they're going that direction now. I, I don't know, but it does seem a little bit too early. And these, these, as you said, Randy Savage has been so unusual for the past few weeks in Nitro. Um, and we we loved him from the from the get go, didn't we? We, we? you know we really enjoyed him. Yeah. And now, you know, threatening to blow buildings up and shit like that, but then turning around and saying he's a little 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 stupid person. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. What happened to Trip the Light Fantastic? What happened yeah. to that guy with a very witty, nonsensical remarks like that? Yeah. <laughs> Trip the wire kaboom! Yeah. Oh God! Go the Parliament buildings. <laughs> Fuck me! Oh, um, next up we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go straight into a snooze fest. Uh, Jim Duggan versus Meng. This is a slow drab affair with strikes and clubs. Uh, a couple of floor holds to get the crowd on Duggan's side. Duggan audibly tells the referee to check his arm because he's quote unconscious end quote from this neck hold. It's not even it's like a nerve grip. It's not even a, a, a sleeper hold or anything like that. Uh, his eyes are wide open and he's looking round, but he's saying, ref, check my arm. Uh, too many USA chants for me to even bother with this, to be honest. I fucking hate USA chants. I really do. Um, yeah, Bischoff... Not to, not to go off topic or anything like that, but fucking... I, I'm sorry, like, US guys, you know, pe- people from the US listen to this. Your fucking patriotism is weird. <laughs> it is. Like, I mean... There's nothing patriotic about this match and you're chanting USA, USA. I know it's a fucking chant that Jacksaw... Uh, Jacksaw. Uh, Jacksaw, <laughs> I love it. Yes. <laughs> now, there is a wrestling name, Jacksaw. I like uh, that. Uh, Jim Duggan, fucking... It, it's part of his character, but it's like... You're chanting USA, USA, USA to a match that I wouldn't even give a star rating, if I'm honest with you. No, no. And to be fair, I wouldn't chant USA, USA, USA to Meng. No, definitely not. <laughs> Meng, oh, is a, Meng is the kind of guy that will rip the the stripes off the flag, and they wouldn't just be like a you know a cotton or like that. They'd be fucking. They, they'll turn into weapons, and he will yeah. fucking club you to fuck with them. Like, <laughs> it it will rip the stars off and use them like ninja stars. Yeah, <laughs> that's if they haven't run off first. Like, fuck that. Meng's coming after us. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bischoff runs down the WWF results again which he already did earlier on in the broadcast uh, he also calls Goldust a transvestite Ru- RuPaul impersonation that's twice uh, and, he said that in this show yeah and P- says what a great idea that is PT show uh, by the way yeah it is uh, and to be honest I didn't even know RuPaul was, was going this long like obviously we all know about RuPaul's drag race now um, Jesus Christ he's looking good for a fucking 95 year old <laughs> oh god well I mean how long has he fucking been round yeah, it, it doesn't seem to be, like, something... It doesn't seem long-term to me. Like, maybe in America, 
he has a lot more notoriety, but over here on British shows, it's like he's only really he's only really coming to the limelight since RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard his name referenced on fucking Whose Line It What uh, Whose Line Is It Anyway back in what nineteen ninety nine two thousand, the original run, uh, the US one, not the English one, by the way. But right. the um, yeah, I heard the name and I'm like, Who's RuPaul? Why is this funny? That kind of thing, like. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. It's not for me. Um, nothing against you know people like that. No, know, no, I don't. I don't. To you, I don't but... find it particularly entertaining. Like I don't find uh, Strictly Come Dancing entertaining. Like that, yeah. that doesn't mean I'm against fucking people dancing. Like <laughs> no, no. Um, Duggan again tapes his fists in this one, which is apparently in reference to Irish tape fist fights, according to Bischoff, uh, and it knocks out Meng. So I won in this one. It's Jim Duggan. I won. <laughs> Jim Duggan via pinfall after six minutes we gave six minutes to this and as you said seven and a half minutes for a cruiserweight match just flew by six minutes of this felt like half a fucking hour oh you're awful um, hated it it was just really it's such a fucking boring match and this stupid tape fist thing just gets right on my nerves and the fact that he's knocking Meng out as well just so unrealistic um, next up we're Mean Gene again with the ladies uh, and He's going to announce more matches just off the top of his head. We've I got will... Alex Wright and Disco Inferno. I'm fucking so stoked for this. Oh, yes. Because obviously it's Boogie Nights. That's that's what they're fucking known for later on. Uh, they're going to face off against Dick Slater and Earl Bobby Eaton. Uh, Gene then asks what the ladies are up to later. Creep. Regal and Fit Finlay will team up out of the blank envelopes now to Zerio Re- Re- Zerio. <laughs> Ray Mazzario. Um, <laughs> so, so, uh, <laughs> zero reaction from the crowd is what I was trying to say. Easy for me to say. And they'll face VK Wall Street and Hacksaw Jim Duggan, oh, who is the only person that hell. gets a lukewarm reaction from the crowd as it's announced. It's Luke, also noted. Lukewarm is too big of a reaction for that tag team. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, it's also noted that Gene has extra money for if him and the ladies run out later on. Apparently. Oh, okay, so the hook is now, Gene. <laughs> you dirty old man. Yeah, I don't even know why we're noting that down, to be honest, but yeah, he, he, he did turn into a bit of a perv uh, for this segment. And we're going to we're gonna wrap up this episode of WCW Nitro with uh, a very convoluted mess. Um, well, it's convoluted in terms of stipulations here, so basically it's the WCW World Heavyweight Championship, the WCW World Television Championship, and the WCW World Tag Team titles all on the line in a tag team match which will consist of Lex Luger and Sting, who are the tag team champions as well as Lex Luger being the TV champion, versus Ric Flair and the Giant, with Ric Flair being the WCW World Heavyweight Champion, and both of them being accompanied by Jimmy Hart, Miss Elizabeth, and Woman to the ring. And basically, whoever scores the pinfall wins the belts. That's how it's going to go down, folks. And this is uh, straight after a pay-per-view, I might add, um, which is is bollocks to me. But there you go. Anyway, I do feel like we're diminishing the, 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 the titles here by just whacking them all in one match and just saying, ah, fuck it, whoever wins gets all the fucking titles. Yeah. Um, and, and, I, and I said that very enthusiastic-like, even though I did say in a previous episode, I'd like to see Lex Luger with all the titles because fuck it. I mean, it's really fucking weird at the moment that Lex Luger is one of the most entertaining things on this show. Yeah, yeah, it is bizarre. And I know um, it's association with Sting, but it, it's 
it's been the best story that they've been telling, and Luger is starting to give a shit. Yeah. Um, going back to what you were saying there, to be fair, if Luger was going to win all the belts and he managed to do it on a match-by-match by, match by match basis, then, yeah, I'd be all for that, you know, but I think whacking them all in one match and no. just letting somebody run off with him is just... It's a bit too far-fetched for me, but hey-ho, there you go. This is kind of like Car Crash TV a little bit, and we're just sort of just trying to cram him so much just in the hope that somebody's going to pay attention. Um, <clears throat> Flair again notices Deborah in the front row in the crowd and kisses her hand this time on his way to the ring. Macho comes through the crowd as Flair bails out of the ring and the police cuff Macho Man while Flair stomps on him as he is helpless and being held down. I did like that. I did like that. That was really spontaneous and unpredictable. Um, but Macho doesn't get anything in whatsoever. No. Um, it, it's very long, the the uh, the crazy Macho Man story. Um, yeah. To be honest with you, the story around Macho Man isn't bad. It's Macho Man himself that isn't really selling the story how we would, how we would like. It's not enjoyable to see him going off the deep end like he is. Yeah. We we just say we we want the, the and I know it's very market like and but we want we want the colourful wacky fucking macho man of old. We don't want this. You kind of feel like even though knowing that it's a character, you feel sorry for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is a transition that isn't really working well in terms of what we know macho to have been and what we know macho to to have been thereafter. You know what I mean? So like nineteen ninety six, nineteen ninety nine. Um, yeah, it's very, it's a very unusual transition. Yeah, um, I will say one thing as well about this match: uh, the referee Randy Anderson was it holding yeah. up all the belts was <laughs> just about right. Randy Anderson holding up all the belts was as if if you if you went shopping and thought, oh yeah, I'm only going to get a couple of things. You know, I'm going to get some eggs and get a bottle of milk, and then you're walking around with a bottle of milk and a. Uh, a box of eggs in your hand, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I need some tomato sauce. Oh, I'd like a loaf <laughs> of bread." And before you know it, at the checkouts, you're carrying everything in your fucking in between your arms, cradling yeah. it like a newborn child, hoping yeah. that you don't <laughs> drop it all. That was Randy Anderson with the fucking title belts. It was. <laughs> it was so That's fucking a, funny. Such a good analogy. That that is really good. You can tell I work in the supermarket, and I see customers like that every single fucking shift. <laughs> I did it yesterday to be fair I, I, <laughs> we went in to pick up three things ended up with eight I went love let's go and get a fucking basket honestly I'm the exact same thing and he wasn't saying <laughs> love to, he wasn't saying love to me by the way <laughs> not this time no uh, <laughs> so Flair stomping on Macho as he's uh, helpless and being held down by the police as well uh, Macho's dragged back to the uh, entrance way or exit way, as it may be in this case. And Fleur again goes down to flex in front of Deborah as Sting's music starts. Bischoff tries to calm down Mongo, who would understandably be mad at Fleur, while Bischoff just kind of says, you're a bit tetchy. Well, you fucking would be. Fucking hell, he's like flirting with your missus. And Bischoff's just like, ah, you know, just just, just chill out, just chill out. Like, no, mate, no. <laughs> Rick Fleur is flirting with my girlfriend and my wife at that point. Just fucking, anyway... Uh, big power play from the Giant to start off with. Uh, Sting with a couple of big drop kicks. A bear hug from Giant brings Lex in to save him. And the two go to town on Giant. Clove's lining him out of the ring and everything. I'm trying to go through this fast pace because there's quite a lot that happened. Um, the crowd goes absolutely nuts for uh, the respective chanting faces. They both get up onto the top rope and give the, the chance and the crowd are going mental for it. 
uh, and the heels catch their breath on the outside. Each team tags in and out. Flair whips Lex in and gives him a chop, but it has no effect. There's a big gorilla press slam from him. A big gorilla press slam from him. A couple of forearms and a great Flair flop to sell it. Sting in the corner for the mount after he tags in. There's a hip toss and a drop kick, which is usual for Sting and Flair. There's a whip to a corner, but Flair gets an elbow up. Flair up top, but sent straight back down again with a body slam. Sting then perches Flair back up and delivers a superplex from the top rope. Flair gets out for a breather and Sting goes for a splash but eats a load of guardrail. Lex seemingly falls over whilst coming to check on Sting whilst he's on the floor and then Woman comes over to rake the eyes of Sting. I don't know if you saw this one with Lex but honestly I just fucking burst out in hysterics because I think he was supposed to like sort of run over because he was worried about the giant coming in or he was running over to attack Flair and it just seems like he just sort of... Who was it that was in the... the um? In the rumble in the Saudi show, and he's running down and he fell, and he oh, ended up under the ring. Yeah, Titus O'Neil. Yeah, that's it. Oh, um, st- st- that that is ageless, by the way. It's still fucking funny. I actually watched that yesterday. It just came. <laughs> co- it was a suggested video. I was just browsing YouTube, uh, YouTube, watching random videos, and I watched it. Instant mood. Like it improves your mood just watching that because the yeah, commentary it sell it so fucking well. Yeah, the, I mean, I have it as a gif. Corey Graves laughing at that. It, it's just so fucking brilliant. It's so funny. I don't even like Corey Graves, but he is laughing at that. Is it, it's just it's infectious. It's infectious. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, well, that's what it reminded me of. Just Lex doing this falling over. Although you know the the the, the, the Titus one is just so much fucking better. Just <laughs> just so good. Um, so woman's rate the eyes of Sting here. Uh, the giant is tagged in. Excuse me. The giant is tagged in and puts all of his weight on the solar plexus. If you're following along at home, that's a, a drink, drinking game. There's Fleur, Fleur tags in and there's a vertical suplex with a big post, but Sting comes back and tags Lex in after a moment. A few strikes from Lex and a slam while it's noticed woman has a cup of coffee. Giant is in with a chokehold while Sting flies twice off the top rope to break the hold by smashing him in the back of the leg, but it doesn't work. Sting strikes away to try and loosen the giant's grip on Lex Luger's throat, and it finally works after a kick. Jimmy Hart takes a right from Sting as he's up on the apron, and the faces stalk Fleur, who has the coffee, in the corner, just as Giant stalks them. Fleur throws the coffee, Lex and Sting duck, and the Giant gets it in the face! Result of this is Lex and Sting winning via a disqualification after 7 minutes and 25 seconds. And now we have a very, very, very pissed off giant to contend with. Fleur runs straight off after the referee gives the match to Sting and Lex in fear of his life while Giant is screaming in the ring, selling the coffee to no end. Fleur then comes back with a towel, a clean white towel, saying that he's so sorry and tries to clean the giant up, but the giant is having absolutely none of it. And Fleur is now on his knees, begging while the giant absolutely bollocks him. Fleur finally loses it and rolls out of <laughs> rolls out of the ring to up to the commentary box, which is up near the entranceway, to find a working mic. Uh, and Giant challenges Fleur for the title. Fleur says he tried to apologise, but now he's pissed off. He says he didn't like how the giant looked at the girls anyway. And he told the giant that he has till the end of the show, which is ending in about 30 seconds, to say sorry, or he will kick his ass next week on Nitro. Oh, the giant then funny. makes a move 
and Fleur cowardly bolts. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just aware that Fleur is running around like a fucking maniac throughout all this. You know, the, <laughs> the moment, the moment the giant gets out of the ring, he fucking is like, "Oh no, an angry giant! I suppose I best run and fucks off." It's so fucking yeah. funny. Great. It's been brewing as well from the from the chop that he gave his own tag team partner a couple of weeks ago on yeah. Nitro, you know, <laughs> and they just went, oh, fuck it, and ran off. It just had so the goal to fucking say, I'll kick your ass, but the moment Jan gets out of the ring, he's out, he's out of there. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is as well, he's saying it from half a mile away, and the giant gets out of the ring, so Flair bolts even further. <laughs> Such a coward. Fucking love it. Brilliant. He, he's, a, he's a fucking cartoon character here. He, he, yeah. he is Tom out of Tom and Jerry. You know, fucking, <laughs> he, he fucking bigs up to Jerry and Jerry fucking pulls out a pan and is like, oh, fuck it, I'm out of here. <laughs> fucking brilliant. Brilliant stuff. Um, Bischoff confirms that the title match for next week will go down, which will be uh, Ric Flair versus the Giant. And Heenan lays out how many problems Flair has now as we close the show off. Oh, i got to love Bobby Heenan hiding behind the desk as well throughout that. <laughs> He's another one adding, adding so much good stuff to it. Um, you rating for this one, Brian? How did, how did you feel it went? Yeah, it was 2.5. Um, a, a mad end. A mad end. It really, it really, it bumped up the racing for me, that ending. And mm. to be honest with you, there were only really one offensively bad match in that. I mean, even Public Enemy uh, and American Males was acceptable. It wasn't brilliant by any, by any means. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. But it were it were decent enough. Yeah, fast pace show. Pretty entertaining. Two point five is fair for me. Very good. Well, the the actual ratings for this were two point seven, which was up against Raw's three point three. So Raw's getting some momentum again. And um the raw results are, are as follows, with a little bit of detail this week actually, because I'm trying a little bit uh, something <coughs> a little bit different. We had Goldust who came down with Marlena to defeat um Savio Vega to win the vacant WWF Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Steve Austin hit Vega with the Million Dollar Championship after coming out as Goldust and Melina, Melena, Marlena, sorry, I spelled that wrong, distract the referee. Uh, Vader, who came out with Jim Cornette, defeated Fatu. Apparently, the WWF edited out the crowd cheering for Vader in this one, while the commentary team read current news headlines and discussed NFL stories, which were believed to be dubbed in to make the program seem more live and up to date. Henry Godwin and Phineas Godwin with Hillbilly Hillbilly, Hillbilly Jim defeated Yashiro Tajiri and Ken Patterson. Uh, Mankind defeated Aldo Montoya and it was noted that many of the fans had left by now seeing as this was the fourth taping in one night in the Californian heat. Uh, I, I I personally said surely it would have made sense to get all the hot matches in while the crowd is hot and then kind of do the mid and lowest as the crowd, the crowd dies down and then sort of edit them about and swap them about or whatever, but there you go. Uh, in other news, uh, Eric Bischoff has denied that WCW are in talks with Kevin Nash over what was rumoured to be a $700,000 a year deal for three years to sign with WCW. Um, and we all know how that one turned out. So, on to the next one. And speaking of tapings, we go into Nitro number 32, which was taped straight after the previous Nitro that we've just covered. Um, It aired on April 29th, but was taped on April 22nd, obviously from Albany, Georgia again. 
And again, it's presented by Steve McMichael, Bobby the Brain, Heenan and Eric Bischoff. And there's the usual rundown from the commentary and there is nothing of note. Simple as that. Straight into a WCW World Tag Team title match, which is Lex Luger and Sting, who are still the champions after last week's disqualification, versus Harlem Heat, who consist of Booker T and Stevie Ray, not Kane and... What was the other one called? I don't know. I'm just thinking... Like, it's the alliteration of K and K. I'm just thinking of bloody... Um, that the aliens from The Simpsons... Uh, Cordos and... I, for some reason, I've got Kane and Cordos in my head... <laughs> I've got Kane and Abel, so <laughs> I'm way off as well. Um, you went the religious route, I went the alien route. Yeah. <laughs> so there is um there is a, a little uh, uh, so because we watched Halloween Havoc nineteen ninety three with the sound off, um there's a little thing that went along with when uh, Harlem Heat were coming out, which I never knew. So I didn't know how Harlem Heat started out in WCW and I didn't know the reason why they were accompanied to the ring by oh, Colonel Robert Parker. I think I know how they debuted. I've heard that they were basically slaves. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. This didn't stand up well. <laughs> uh, no. I didn't. I was I was doing a little bit of research, obviously, into this. Um, and yeah, obviously, uh, Booker T and Stevie Ray came up. I wanted to know, actually, before the Halloween Havoc, how, how long it was before they actually debuted. And it turns out they only debuted like th- maybe three months beforehand. Um, and yeah, the idea, and we we obviously completely missed it, like completely missed it, that they actually came down to the ring in chains yeah. for that Halloween Havoc pay-per-view. Yeah, I, I actually did notice it, but I didn't really make note of it, if that makes sense. We were just talking shit. like Because... From what we've seen of Booker T, well, Booker T and Stevie Ray at the moment, they're a very good tag team. Like, Stevie Ray yeah. is like, eh, you know, but Booker T is the, is the athletic one and all that. But, you know, they're not, they're not putting on great matches as a tag team. So, the, the moment their name was announced, I immediately tuned out. Yeah. You know, just like, I noticed, oh, yeah, they, you know, they're coming out in chains. But I didn't really, it just didn't really click, even though I knew prior to that, this was the gimmick. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was a it was quite a surprise on me, and um, obviously we want to point out that we didn't gloss over that. We didn't, you know, just ignore it for ignoring its sake or anything like that. We we we, uh, we certainly don't want to see stuff like that on TV. No, absolutely um, not. I, I also suppose like we're also talking about a, a show in nineteen ninety three. Like, yeah, I, I watch a lot of comedies from the eighties and the nineties, and they don't. There are certain aspects of those those shows that don't stand the test of time, but yeah. when you're actually watching shows like that on the reg, you kind of you don't tolerate it, but you get used to it if you know what I mean. You're like, mm, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that that's that's not right, but you sort of see it through the eyes of the time. Yeah, really. exactly. And it's basically, I won't even say that I intentionally did that. You know, it, it, it's just how it happened. I, like I said, I just tuned out because it was Hall and Heat and I didn't expect it to be an entertaining match and that was pretty much it. That's where my head was yeah. at. It was like, oh, Hall and Heat, okay. Yeah. And to be fair, I think we were talking about Shotmaster quite a bit as well, weren't we? Oh, yeah, because Shotmaster in that match. Completely forgot about that. So during, during the entrance for these uh, combatants, it's noted that Lex Luger will team up with Animal to face Hawk and Booker T at Slamboree's Lethal Lottery. Uh, and rather awkwardly, Kevin Sullivan and Chris Benoit are going to tag up 
to take on Public Enemy. Um, there's also details on Jimmy Hoyt throwing a towel into the ring on Saturday night with no other details, so thanks very much for that. They do, they literally didn't say, you know, who he threw it into, why he threw it in the ring, you know, who was wrestling. He said They literally said nothing. They just said that Jimmy Hoyt threw a white towel in the ring. Yeah. However, as that's noted, it probably will, or I, I know for a fact it does um, come up very shortly. Yeah, setting up. I, I will say one thing. On the face of it, Booker T and Hawk as a tag team, yes, please. Yeah. 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 Could you imagine a promo from them two? You know, Booker T, can <laughs> you dig that sucker, Hawk? Well, you know, it, <laughs> it's a very, it's actually a very good setup, I, I think. Like, like com- a comedy tag team. I, I, yeah. Honestly, and in the ring, you know, uh, either of them could make the hot tag. You know, they're, bo- yeah. they're both very fiery, fire, fiery wrestlers. Yeah. Uh, so, I'm a little bit more interested in Sambury, uh, Mark. What about you? <laughs> I mean that that match that match does um, does kind of light a fire underneath me. I, I can't lie that the the, the four uh, are. At this moment in time, especially with Lex actually fucking changing his um, changing his gimmick a little bit, are quite intriguing. Uh, the, the rest of the matches just sound a bit deaf to me. But yeah, that that particular one doesn't sound too bad. Yeah, we're not doing a watch along. There's one thing I'm not even going to put forward. I put forward Halloween Havoc 1993, and I fucking regret it. We're not doing a watch along <laughs> somebody just because I'm interested in a couple of matches. Well, it it, uh, it, it I, I would presume that our next watch along will now be um, Bash at the Beach, but. We'll see what happens. Or how we have at ninety six. Could be. I, I, you know, Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. That would make up for a shitty show. Was that ninety six or ninety seven? Oh, right, ninety seven. Ninety six, ninety seven. I think. It, I know it's coming I up. It was, I think it was ninety seven. Yeah, it's coming up. We know that. But uh... yeah. So, in this one, Sting and Booker T are going to start off. Uh, there's a few wrist locks until Booker T unleashes a sick hook kick to the back of Sting's head, even though he was facing the front of him. Um, Sting gets a shoulder block off and tags Lex in while Stevie tags in and Lex gets the beatdown of a lifetime for a moment until a whip in the corner allows Lex to counter it and strike Stevie probably 30 times with fucking temper tantrum anger. Uh, Sting tags in again and the two deliver a quick double team while Sting slows it down with an iron bar. Uh, Stevie gets a quick advantage and tags Booker in with Booker briefly on top but he comes off the ropes to a leapfrog uh, and a drop kick just before we go to a break. Coming back, Sting ha- uh, Sting is in a headlock from Booker T. Uh, Booker goes for an elbow but misses, wants to back up. And as Sting is getting up, Booker delivers the patented jumping wheel kick. But it doesn't cover straight away. It goes to the top rope and chance, allowing Sting to kick out at two when he finally goes for the pin. Uh, there's another high kick to Sting and another pin attempt, which is only a two count as well. Uh, Stevie tags in to deliver some more strikes and a rear chin lock as Lex leads the chance for Sting and the crowd is well into it. Booker tagged in. Sting ducks a clothesline but the two collide in the middle of the ring and Sting slowly but surely gets the hot tag to Lex. Lex cleans house but tags too, uh, sorry, takes too long getting up from a power slam on Booker T and Stevie pummels him with a few kicks and punches. Lex is getting double team now after Sting has been sent to the outside. Receives a double team elbow, which was from the top rope and looked really bizarre. Um, and Jimmy Hart throws in the towel. So there we go. The uh, 
prelude has already fucking come from Jimmy on the previous episode of Saturday Night, as detailed earlier. Harlem Heat pulled Jimmy into the ring because they don't want none of this white towel in the ring bullshit. But just as they're about to assault him, Sting rolls Booker up from behind and the result is Sting and Lex Luger winning and defending the WCW World Tag Team Championships via pinfall in 10 minutes and 45 seconds. How did you think that one went? It was okay. It wasn't brilliant, but Sting and Luger made that match what it was. There were a couple of great spots on Booker T, though. The fucking jumping high kicks, or one of them in particular, it was it was almost flat on his back, and he just jumps up and delivers a high kick out of nowhere. Yep. Oof. Oh, fuck. His agility is insane. It's like, you can see yeah. why he, he was looked at as a single star. Yeah, definitely. Very early and on. stand out because his partner is just Shit. really average. Shit. <laughs> I will say one thing. that There was a quote uh, from commentary that I completely overlooked here, just running back in my notes, and <laughs> oh my God, so awkward. Uh, Mongo says, Home Heat have been tearing it up since her mother was changing their diapers together. There was an awkward laugh from Eric and an awkward silence, and then Bobby Heenan says, that paints a pretty picture. <laughs> it, it's just worth flagging up because what the fuck is going on with commentary there? I don't know. Yeah, Mongo really <laughs> made it awkward. <laughs> Bless uh, him. Next up, he's trying. He's trying. He is. Yeah, he is. Uh, next up, there is a replay, obviously, from the uh, previous match for Slam of the Week, which I actually always thought was a WWF SmackDown thing. Uh, maybe maybe WCW should have traded more. Oh, of that. SmackDown had Boot of the Week. They definitely had Slam of the Week as well because I went down a rabbit hole and looked on YouTube. Oh, I remember the Boot of the Week, and nine times out of ten, it wasn't a boot. <laughs> it was just because it was sponsored by uh, what was that shoe company called? Uh, Lugs. All right. Yeah, Lugs Boot of the Week. There's Mae Young doing a crotch chop to DX. Yeah, that's bit that's fucking bizarre. Yeah. Uh. Next up, there will be a tag team match, which is going to be the Steiner Brothers, consisting of Rick Steiner and Scott Steiner versus Fire and Ice, who are Ice Train and Scott Norton. Uh, Fire and Ice are first out, and this team has come about because of uh, because the pair of them knocked each other out with huge clotheslines on a Saturday night show or something like that. Uh, both got up from it and had mutual respect once they'd come around from the brutality of each, and so decided to form a tag team. Oh, there's a bit of bit of context for you yeah. but yeah there's only one way to describe this match thick and that's double c not ck <laughs> fire and ice versus the steiners fucking hell yeah. reinforce that ring because it is gonna get heavy um there's a lovely power slam from ice train in the first offering against rick steiner yeah. while scott delivered a couple of beautiful suplexes to norton in the second Norton impressively gorilla press slams Scott after a top rope attempt. Uh, there's a brutal clothesline from Ice Train on both Steiners as well as a gorilla press of his own. Uh, Rick hits a Steiner line on Ice Train while Norton is on the outside with Scott, or kind of halfway in between the apron and the floor. Uh, but unfortunately, just as he realizes, and the result will be, uh, the Steiners winning it by a pinfall with Rick Steiner on top of Ice Train. Scott Norton couldn't get there in time. And three minutes and 25 for this one. Um, what did you think to that one? Yeah, you wouldn't have known that uh, there was a pinfall because it was a very soft count from Randy Anderson again. Yeah. 
uh, taking a nap in, uh, at the bottom of the ring as usual. <laughs> uh, but other than that, it was uh, it was a good match for what it were. Yeah. Well, excellent, you know, but you see a potential in Ice Train and Scott Norton as a tag team. And I think given a bit more time, you are potentially looking, and I will say this now, a five-star tag team match. Well, bloody hell. Going out on a limb there, controversial statement. Is it controversial? Well, I think you give them a little bit... You know, I'm not saying you give them 12 minutes. I'm saying if you put them on pay-per-view against each other, you put a tag title, you know, put the tag titles on the line there and all that, you're potentially looking at a really fucking great contest from these two. Well... You know, it's not... Uh, sorry, these two tag teams. It's not all about the fucking Young Bucks and bloody uh, FTR or whatever you call them these days. or whatever, like, It's not all about the athleticism. It's about, like, you, about what they can deliver in the ring and I see I, I've said before I see a lot of potential in Scott Norton he ended up becoming New Japan Pro Wrestling Champion for fuck's sake sorry IWGP Champion so, so obviously there was something there with him Ice Train is from what, what what we've seen so far with him you know we saw him on Halloween Habit we see him here he, he does look like a very good wrestler and the style speak for themselves yeah it would be a proper it would be a great horse contest yeah um the only controversial statement that you made was a five-star match in WCW. I don't think WCW was ever given a five-star match. I don't think it ever um, happened. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's like, I think Tony Schiavone said it, um, it's not necessarily about the match that you like, it's about whether or not you like the company or it's whether or not you like the product or whatever. Um, and he said, as much as I like Dave and I get along with Dave, I kind of think that he wasn't really into WCW and that hampered his... Um, What's the word? Not biasedy. Um, his objectivity when it came to rating matches. So, but yeah, yeah I, 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 I agree. I think all these guys could could put on a fucking. Uh, you could proper burn down the fucking house with these four. Definitely. Right. Two things, right? Dave Meltzer's ratings, like it, it doesn't represent the wrestling business, no matter what people say. It doesn't. Like you know, again, it is very objective. You know, so me saying a five star rating and Dave Star saying a five star rating is two different things. Yeah. First of all, like you know, I mean, obviously he's well revered as a journalist, but that doesn't mean that he's right. No. no. Secondly, are we talking about saying Dave Meltzer gave Halloween Havoc nineteen ninety three a four and three quarter rating? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you've got a point. You've got a point. <laughs> Uh, Thank you. Next up, once again, it's going to be a face intro from Mean Gene Oakland for a heel Ric Flair. Uh, and there are notable boos from the crowd as the ladies come out with Flair sulching behind. Flair demands everybody stand to attention when he's in their presence, which I, I did quite like. Uh, he says twice while pointing at each of the ladies, are we worried about the giant? And it's basically no. A woman is still distracting Gene with the strokes on his chin and say and, and she says that the giant is a quote small man compared to the champ. We all obviously get the reference here. Um while Liz remains timid when asked for her opinion. She's certainly not judging the size of Ric Flair's manhood. Um not much to this, just a, a little bit of, of Flair trying to get some heel heat. And yeah. obviously showing off the ladies again. Um, again, and woman just heel looks... Heel hate because the... he can't even pronounce Elizabeth right. 
No. He called her Miss Elizabeth. <laughs> and I get to um I get to hand over the reins to Brian in this next one because it's a parking lot brawl between Lord Stephen Regal and the Belfast Bruiser, which I can't write anything about <laughs> because it's just such a fucking brawl. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, he, 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 he's given me the reins so I can put it down move for move. I really haven't. I said, and I quote, I have words. <laughs> you know, I have some words. I was say one thing at the start of it. It was quite nicely produced. Uh, video package for WCW standards because we haven't really seen many video packages from them and when they have they've, they've been a little bit um, well we, we saw the video package ahead of Halloween Habit 1993 if you want to call it a video package uh, the mini was, movie uh, it was creepy uh, it got into the Halloween spirit in the complete wrong ways shall we say <laughs> it, you know if, if you if you wanted to pass off Tony Stefani as a potential paedophile then yeah you did a fucking good job there but yeah, uh, the less said about that, the better. But yeah, there wasn't really much to this match. It was again, it was just a brawl. Um, there were the, the usual stuff. People get put through windows. Thinly actually kicks a window and doesn't sell it. Yeah, so I I don't know if he was selling that he was a he was a tough man or right like that. But um, it was a sweet kick through that window as well. That was, that's the oh, only thing that really stuck out in my brain. Yeah, uh, it 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 was a. Yeah, you said exactly what I was about to say. He was a sweet kick through the window. Uh, Again, not really much to it. Uh, Regal wins this match. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking at the notes and I'm like, all I've got quote is, uh, yeah, he kicks a window and doesn't sell it. And then uh, Regal wins with a power driver on top of the car and Finley gets straight back up from it. Yeah, more or, or less. Afterwards, yeah, no, it sounds like. Uh, my words are here again, and this harkens back to a couple of weeks ago with a Princess Diana reference from Bobby Heenan. Brain says Elizabeth had a fight with Princess Diana in a parking lot. Now, please, somebody explain what is it with Princess Diana and cars here? At this point, Princess Diana has not been involved in her fatal car crash, so Bobby Heenan is either. He's like the oracle and can predict something fucking happening, or there's something about Princess Diana and cars that we are missing. Yeah, help us, please. Uh, I'm not. I'm not getting it at all. I've no fucking idea. Yeah, but the one thing that happens at the end of this, we pan out after the match is over, and immediately Brain says, "Wait a minute, that's my rental car." Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Um. It was just a brawl. There was nothing to the match, really. Yeah, mindless violence. No spots, just fucking basically, right, I'm going to power drive you on this. Right, I'm going to power bomb you on that. Right, I'm going to smash this window. Right, I'm going to throw you into this window. You know, they did go back first onto the windscreens a couple of times, which did crack a couple of them. Um, The crowd seemed fairly into it. There were police everywhere. Um, And... Macho Man wasn't. No, he wasn't. They were in the wrong place, clearly. (laughs) Uh, and it ended in six minutes and thirteen seconds, with uh, as you said, Lord Stephen Regal getting the win. Got a nice. It was basically feud. every backstage brawl that you've had on a SmackDown versus Raw game. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I said SmackDown versus Raw because they were the ones that had very decent backstage brawls. The recent games don't. Uh, less said about that, the better. 
But we actually did miss one very important thing prior to this match. Did we? Yeah, the Glacier promo. That was after this match. Well, we're not. I'm pretty sure it said over. Uh, yeah, it was. Was it? Yeah, that was the video package I reference. Uh, scratch that shit. I completely forgot. Yeah, it was the video package for Glacier that I that I was referencing was a nice overdue package. Oh, I see. Yeah, I said, so you're going to have to cut that out because I said nice overdue package and went, nope, wait, there were a video package? It was a Glacier package. Because <laughs> I remember right. fucking all this ice and all that and I couldn't remember what it was referencing. <laughs> I just remember all this fucking spinning medallion and all this and I'm like, what was that about? Yeah, promo played with Blood Runs Cold and a symbol mechanically shifting to promote, I'm going to guess, Glacier. Right, so... Yeah, we'll just we'll put it back. Yeah, yeah, we 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 glossed over the nice video package before this match. Uh, Glacier is coming now. It, it's blatantly, blatantly obvious it's Glacier. Yeah. yeah, you know, blood blood runs cold. Yada yada yada. But a very nice, very nice for WCW standards. Uh, I am so looking forward to seeing Glacier because it's the kind of wrestle shit that I like. <laughs> I, I'm seriously expecting that you know. Um, in a very similar vein of the Yeti, there'll be the uh, the the giant iceberg at the, at the beginning of the entrance ramp, and I'm just kind of expecting fucking <laughs> Glacier just to smash through it, arms out, you know, ice to meet you, you know, <laughs> like fucking <laughs> ready, like fucking Mike Bain and in the Simpsons. I, I don't know why. I, I don't know anything of Glacier that is just apart from that the fact that he's a Sub Zero ripoff, but. I'm just looking forward to him. Yeah. Well, I'm glad somebody is. Uh... You know, I, I, I'm just looking. I'm I'm looking to for. I'm looking forward to seeing how shit it is. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I was trying to say. Right. Well, it doesn't look like you'll be waiting too long. Um, yeah. Uh, next up, we're going to see the uh, main event, which is going to be the WCW World Heavyweight Championship on the line. Uh, the giant with Jimmy Hart is going to be facing off against the champion Ric Flair, who's come to the ring with Miss Elizabeth and the woman. Uh, I thought this was a bit of a slow burner, to be honest. Uh, giant with the big moves and the clubs, while woman's just screaming her head off at uh, ringside. Uh, I will say one thing: Flair actually gets in Deborah's face immediately again. Yeah. And Mongo, Mongo, you can. I don't know if he was just really selling it really, really well. But he actually sounded genuinely pissed off about it. Mm. But Brain tells him if he doesn't like it, to stop eating out of Peppy's dog bowl. <laughs> <laughs> God effort. <laughs> uh, Flew with the cheap shots, which hitting on your wife's pretty big cheap shot, to be fair. Um, there's also ineffective chops to the giant. Uh, the girls allow Flew a distraction to hit the giant in the little giants, aka the balls, and would shortly after whack him with the brass knuckles as well. Uh, figure four is sold as the giant is completely out comatose. But then he suddenly seemingly rises from unconsciousness, throttles Fleur, and choke slams him to the floor. And as a result, and a new world heavyweight champion, the giant wins it via pinfall in five minutes and 49 seconds. Yes, I, I haven't wrote much about it, but primarily that's because five minutes of that was spent with no fighting whatsoever just because it's just such a slow burner um, yeah. but yeah that's basically it from a figure four the giant's unconscious he wakes up like the undertaker you used to uh grabs hold of rick flair in a throttle and just chokeslams him to the floor and there we have it new wcw champion as you kind of requested a couple of weeks ago get 
yeah, giant in that a, main event scene. Yeah, as a face, but we don't even know what fucking character he's portraying anymore. Mm. He's tweening at the moment, isn't he? Uh, I think. Yeah. It's a it's a weird one. However, it does seem that he is uh, is being promoted to this um, to this main event status. Which don't get me wrong, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's yeah, a good thing because it, it freshens up the main event scene a little bit. But they did it so hampered, like that. You know, I can't say that I'm happy about it. If you know what I mean, like I was really expecting this fiery hot baby face giant within the week that was scrapped, mm. and. He's still at odds with, you know, he's still at odds with Rick Flair. We don't know what his feelings are on Kevin Sullivan because he's not fucking around at the moment. Like, you know, is he part of the dungeon? Is he not? Is he just affiliated with Jimmy Hart? Is he not? We don't fucking know. Yeah. I think part of the reason why we, the giant seems to be tweening and like flitting back and forth is because there was a little bit of uh, Willie or Warnty when it came to Hulk Hogan fucking off for this movie. Uh, it turns out he has fucked off for the movie, so another wish of yours has been granted. We won't be seeing Hulk Hogan again for quite a while, uh, which is always a bonus, and that's probably why Kevin Sullivan's fucked off as well, because we all know he's a massive fan of his. Um, and obviously this is the reason why the Giant's been promoted to main event status, and to be fair to the Giant as well, his wrestling is getting better. Yeah, can't fault him. No. I will say one, another thing about this match, though, is that psychology-wise, it wasn't like it was bad or anything. It was just like... Rick Flair begging off against the Giant because he knows that he can't match him and that makes perfect sense. And yeah. Bobby Heenan actually saying like, I don't think Flair can put the figure four on the Giant and then he goes and fucking does it. I'm going to say, I actually did pop for that. Because right. I didn't expect that he could actually apply it either. Yeah. And he did it and he did it in typical Rick Flair fashion as well. He did He did very briefly sort of, uh, sort of sell that he might not be able to. I don't know if you saw that he got... when he was wrapping the leg around. No, was... no, no. Yeah, that's what I mean. But when he actually got it in, like it was a typical figure four. Yeah, it was. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't take away the fact that even though on the face of things he probably shouldn't be able to do that, and he fucking goes and does it. Yeah. You know that that was very impressive, and I I was like, no way, he's actually done it. I mean, I've also taken into account that um, the you look at Chris Jericho, who is. I, I won't say now, but back back in his, uh, I won't even say his prime, but back in the 90s, 2000s, he was of a very similar frame and height to Ric Flair. Yeah. And he has gone off on record saying that he stopped doing the Lion Tamer in WWE because he could not apply it to people that were bigger than him. Yeah. So I've got it in my head that, yeah, there's absolutely no fucking way that he could put the figure four on, on the Giant because the Giant's legs are so big. So for him to actually do it, fair play to the guy because, and I'm not saying it from a kayfabe standpoint, I'm saying it from a realism standpoint, is that it mustn't be easy to actually apply that. Yeah. It's like fucking logging two fucking orc tree trunks about and trying to <laughs> trying to wrap your legs around them. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, mean pick good it, luck to you. Picking up one of them legs is going to be like, fucking hell, that's heavy. Exactly. Yeah, um... So, not to beat around the bush, right? But, you know. <laughs> with the giant stature uh, and everything else that goes along with this, the two have, have, have done the best that they can with this match. And to be fair, it's 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 better than a few matches that than we've seen that have had better combatants in them. Combatants, sorry. Um, combatants. Combatants, yeah. That's had better combatants in them. But it's, it's just 
um, a good agent and two, you know, the Giants not even, you know, it's, it's fucking literally months. He's been wrestling months, going up against Ric Flair, which obviously shows the experience here. And they've pulled it off. They've pulled it off. So we now have a WCW World of Weight Champion in the Giant. And um, obviously, Gene Oakland's going to try and get a word with the Giant. Uh, Jimmy Hart says that he gets to go home with the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. Um, okay. That was very sexual. The Giant calls out all of the big players in WCW and says, come one, come all, your god, your dog gone, gonna fall. Um, and that's better than any Hogan promo ever. Uh, <laughs> Bischoff announced that Giant will face Sting in his very first title defence at Slambury. Uh, and Heenan is, for once, speechless when asked for his opinions about it, but finally splurts out that Ric Flair will be the Lord of the Ring while Mongo goes on some sort of inaudible tirade about something. Um, rating for that one, Brian, what would you say? How would you view it? Well, initially I put it down as a free, but you know what? After t- talking about it, and really put it, trying to put emphasis on the... Uh, the uh, parking lot brawl and we really couldn't or I really couldn't I'm knocking it back down to a 2.5 mm-hmm. I mean you, there were a couple of good matches and it was an entertaining show but I, I can't really remember much about that parking lot brawl that I thought that I liked when I watched it <laughs> it was you know, just mindless literally... forgettable violence yeah, really. yeah there was nothing memorable about it it's like it's one of those things that you have to watch in the moment yeah. to really enjoy but then retroactively, like you can't really. I I, I suppose it really set, says a lot about uh, the one night stand uh, pay per views that WWE put on. Yeah. Like in my mind, those are great pay per views, but so fuck if I can remember anything about them. Yeah. Apart from a really, really, really botched effort from Sabu against Rey Mysterio. Mm. There was there was a really good Chris Jericho Lance uh, Lance Storm match on one of those. I I, I will say, but again, did not. They're memorable because when you watch them, they're enjoyable. But like I said they're not even memorable, I should have said. But they're enjo- they're enjoyable pair of views. But they're just like if you if you put put on the spot and say what was so good about them, you can't really explain what was. Yeah, yeah. And that that's the parking lot brawl. I just say mindless emphasis on mindless brawling. Yeah. Um. Selling, selling the feud, aren't they? They're, they're, they're trying to keep heat on it and everything like that. And yeah, that senseless, mindless violence. They're still playing up to this little ECW crowd that they want to watch the TV program. Um, Which they tried to do with Sabu, who hasn't been around for well since the fucking what? We're at the third episode yeah, or something like he, that. He might be third gone. Four... He might be gone. Yeah, I don't think he's around anymore. No, I'll uh, I'll research that and try and get confirmation for that on the next episode of the Nitrogen Podcast. Just to round up here, the rating for this one was obviously hurt by the uh, early start leading into the NBA. Was it the NBA or is it the baseball? I can't remember. Um, I can't remember. I think it was the NBA. Yeah. Uh, so the 7 p.m. start got a 2.1, which obviously means it didn't clash with Raw that week. But Raw did get a 2.9 in its usual slot that day. Uh, the Raw results uh, are as follows. A dark match with Greg Walsh defeating Carl the Lumberjack. Whoa. Dark match. Who's Greg Wallace? Greg Walsh. I thought you said Greg Wallace, and I'm like, when the fuck was he wrestling? <laughs> uh, second dark match, The Undertaker defeating Mankind. Yeah, I bet it was a dark match. Why the fuck not? Uh, <laughs> Shawn Michaels, 
who is the WWF champion at this point, defeated Vader to retain the WWF championship in a dark match. Again, yeah. <laughs> also, which it might say a lot about Vader's run after that because it was very specific that Shawn Michaels had a match with Vader that he wasn't very happy about and basically called his career, called his WWE career anyway. Right. He refused to work with him. Maybe that could have been the match. Yeah, it could have been. The dark match. Because I don't remember them ever facing off on TV or on pay-per-view. And I do have quite a good knowledge from around that time, just from like little bits of research. Mm. Particularly when it pertains to fucking Vader and Shawn Michaels. Because, you know, I, I, I did a little bit of like looking back when I was asked what went wrong with Vader's WWE career. And all I can remember was something to do with Shawn Michaels. <laughs> that was it. Like, you know, I mean, that says it all about fucking WWE in 96 and 97. Something went wrong. Probably had something to do with Shawn Michaels. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I mean, <laughs> it's usually him at the, at the centre of something. Yeah, he was admittedly, he, he himself admit, admits that Yeah, he was, he, was a, he was a prick at the time. Yeah. And that's putting it lightly. I want to use a harsher word, but... We're trying to cut down the swearing, folks. We said fucking way too much during that pay-per-view. Yep. Um, on to the actual televised Raw. Mankind defeated Bart Gunn via a submission with the Mandible Claw. Uh, obviously, I'm going to try and give you a little bit more detail uh, with Raw as well. After the bout, Jim Ross interviewed Gunn at ringside regarding the match before he was jumped by Mankind and once again sustained the Mandible Claw. Uh, Steve Austin with Ted DiBiase defeated Scott Taylor via submission with the Million Dollar Dream. After this bout, Savio Vega, who did the commentary for the bout, challenged Austin to a Caribbean strap match, which obviously feeds into last week when Austin cost Savio Vega against Goldust. Uh, after both Austin and DiBiase rejected the challenge, Savio got in the ring and attacked Austin with the strap. Marty Jannetty and Leif Cassidy fought Henry Godwin and Phineas Godwin with Hillbilly Jim to a double countout when the legal men were unable to return to the ring. During the closing moments of the bout, Sonny came out to scout the competition as the winner of the bout would have earned a title shot against the Body Donners. After the result of the bout, it was announced a rematch would be held on WWF Superstars. Fuck me, that's a blast from the past, WWF Superstars. It is indeed. Um, the Ultimate Warrior defeated Isaac Yankum, DDS with a flying shoulder block and splash. And the WWF Raw from today obviously um, included segments such as the opening segment from the end of the previous night's pay-per-view in which a furious Davy Boy Smith claimed that your pal Shawn Michaels wanted to sleep with his wife and then went to ringside oh. before officials could hold him back. Uh, it featured an in-ring interview segment con conducted by Vince McMahon in which Davy Boy Smith, Diana Hartsmith and Jim Cornette all accused Shawn Michaels of trying to sleep with Diana after Diana slapped Michaels for asking her not to flatter herself. Davy Boy and the champion brawled around the ring once Michaels said he knew who wore the pants in that Smith family. Ooh, so we are going car crash now. Um, yeah. Very Jerry Springer, as Vince Russo would put it. Something that Jim Cornette was very opposed to. Yeah, yeah. Which I also find funny considering what he's like these days. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think he's accused people are worse than fucking accusing Shawn Michaels for wanting to sleep with Diana Hart. Well, that's true, and he's also being accused of, of the kind of stuff that you would see on a Jerry Springer show as well. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true, yep. But we'll segue from that, uh, and we'll keep that for another day, and we're still, we're still trying to get content out to YouTube, but we still need you guys to try and subscribe so that we can get our at Nitro Gen Cast tag title at the end, so that it'll be youtube.com forward slash Nitro Gen Cast to keep everything in line with your social media platforms, which you can find 
all on Linktree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E. That gives you links to every single social media platform with just one simple click of a link you are in. Uh, it'll also give you links to all the podcast hosts, which still doesn't include Amazon. And they still won't have the Nitrogen podcast on their platform. And we're still a bit pissed off about it. Yep, fuck Jeff Bezos. <laughs> and this week, I'll keep that in. <laughs> of course, we couldn't do this without you guys. We wouldn't do this without you guys, to be fair. Uh, thank you very much for listening again. Remember, we've got the competition going. All you need to do is find the like pin, the pinned tweet or the pinned status. Just like it, share it, comment on it, and you'll be thrown into the draw. It doesn't matter if you've done it to any of the previous pinned tweets or the current pinned tweet or the next pinned tweets until we draw winners. Um, whichever ones you've done it in, you'll go into the draw to win a hoodie or a T-shirt. There are two prizes up for grabs, which means that two people will be drawn out of a hat. And... I think that is everything from me, Marvelous Mark Ashworth, and from Das Acton Kid, Brian Bradshaw, over there. Trip the light, fantastic. We will see you for another episode of the Nitrogen Podcast, back on our usual Thursday morning drops in the UK, and obviously Wednesday night in America during AEW and NXT.